and I was there with Napalm and Emit for my crew, and we killed it for the whole club. We went nuts, and the club was going crazy. And then Jay Balvin just loved it, and he came up to me. He's like, bro, you blew my mind. You blew my mind. Welcome to the Mike Squires and Friends podcast. I'm your host, Mike Squires. Today, I'm joined by my good friend, Kenny Urban. Kenny is one of the craziest beatboxers that you'll ever meet. We talk about how he toured with AJR, the time he was in a Russian Snickers commercial, a beatbox workshop that he taught at Harvard, becoming the grand beatbox champion, all the places he's traveled in Europe and Asia, and we even get into some of the fundamentals of beatboxing itself. If you want to support the Mike Squires and Friends podcast, all you got to do is hit the subscribe button or download on your preferred podcast platform. Now, with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of Mike Squires and Friends. Kenny, my guy, how you living, dude? Good, man. Living well. I'm so excited to have you here. And typically when I have people on... I ask them, you know, tell us a little bit about what they do, but you could actually show us what you do. Do you, do you mind? I don't mind. Let's go. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Mike Squires and Friends. That's the name of the, that's the name of the pod, dude. Game over. Kenny, how does somebody learn that they can do that? Like, where did you get your start with beatboxing? Honestly, straight out of the womb. I just... <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I didn't. Um, beatboxing is not something you're born with like anything else. Maybe the talent of making music and yes. just being creative I was born with. But uh, beatboxing is just something I picked up when I was a little kid. Uh, I heard my... I think it was my cousin just walking around in my aunt's house and I was like oh that's cool and I was already a musical kid you know loved singing and rapping and stuff like that but when I just heard beatboxing I was just automatically I was like oh cool and I practiced we grew up in the era of YouTube obviously and uh, I was doing it for a while and then someone told me like that's beatboxing you're beatboxing and I was like oh I didn't even know what that was and then I YouTubed it and I found all these amazing artists um i can shout some out like reaps one or darny or korean fx uh faith sfx all these now quote-unquote older school beatboxers um and i saw all these videos and i just kept practicing i would take what they're doing and put my own twist on it and um just kept going with it yeah dude and honestly it's been insane to see you level up over the years but i want to know like what was that first gig that you feel that like i'm a beatboxer this is what i'm doing it wasn't even a gig. So the real first moment was, so obviously I was beatboxing throughout high school, basically, uh, middle school and high school, annoying the crap out of my friends that would tell me to shut the hell up and all this. And that would just push me to keep going. They'd be like, shut up. You sound stupid. And I would be like, <laughs> just keep going. And it's also honestly was a form of like curing my ADD almost like just because beatboxing is the instrument that's always with you. So I was always able to express myself. If I heard a beat, or anything that I would hear, I could replicate, you know, with my voice. But it wasn't until high school, I think it was my sophomore year, so I was like 15, and I was pretty good at beatboxing then uh, for a 15-year-old. But I was super shy back then, um, still new to high school, obviously, and there was a microphone in my cafeteria, and the principal and the teachers would make announcements on it. But I would always beatbox on the microphone, like at my friend's house, so they knew I could do it and was good at it. But one day they were just pushing me. They're like, go hit the mic, you pussy, pussy. They're, excuse my French. But, uh, <laughs> um, and I was like, no, I can't do it. I'm going to get in trouble. And they just wouldn't stop. And I said, screw it. I jumped up, hit the mic. I went a little, when the pimp's in the crib, ma, drop it like it. And I dropped the whole Snoop Dogg beat. It was like the first beat I ever learned. And um, the whole school went crazy. And I, I remember looking at my principal and he looks over at me and he's just bobbing his head. And after that, honestly, my life pretty much changed because in school I just became more popular. I became more confident. My teachers would have me beatbox in class to get out of trouble and just changed everything for me really. And at that point I was, I was a beatboxer for sure. That's awesome, dude. I didn't know that about you too. And the, the fact that you got your principal give you the co-side, like oh, yeah. that's actually insane. Um, I want, so I met you through Webby. So I want to talk about like maybe some of the times that like he brought you on stage and you know what those moments were like for you. Yeah. So that was 
actually probably the start of a lot of things for me. So shout out to Chris Webby, the man. Um, I met him at a, excuse me, sorry. After the beatboxing, I got to. Nah, do your thing, dude. I, I, I see how it works. <laughs> I got who, uh, so I was, that's another thing I would do. A um, little bit later, fast forward, junior year, senior year, I was always at parties and I would be the beat, I would beatbox for my friends who would rap and we would sit there for hours and beatbox for the whole party, rap for the whole party rather. And I was just the beat. I'd give a simple <laughs> And I would do that for hours and different friends would rap and, you know, we'd entertain each other and we'd just have a good time, you know, vibing. And it was, I believe my senior year, I was like 17 years old and Chris Webby was at a party that I was at on the weekend, um, close by in like Milford, Connecticut or something. And everyone's like, oh, Chris Webby, Chris Webby. And I didn't actually even know, I wasn't too familiar with him at the time. I think I heard a song, La La La, and I was like, mm, oh, this guy's yeah. from Connecticut, it's cool. And um, I was just beatboxing and he heard it and he started rapping and we killed it for the whole party, which was sick. And everyone went crazy. And they were like, dude, you know who this is? It's Chris Webby. And I was like, oh, shit. And uh, basically after that, he's like, yo, man, you want to come do some shows with me? And I was like, shit, 17. Um, yes, I do. And he took me to Cheshire. It was, uh, I think he was opening for Immortal Technique. And that was like my first time ever on stage. I was 17 years old and we did a little freestyle and we killed it. And then he brought me to his Toad's Place show. And um, then he took me on a little tour with him. We did a bunch of different shows. And I just opened my eyes to the performance world and that I could actually, like, do this to entertain people and make a living, really. So Yeah, at this point, dude, you've touched so many different stages, though, dude. Uh, we just were talking, but you did EDC. I have done EDC. That was sick. How was that? Amazing. Um Festivals and beatboxing just go hand in hand, especially, you know, electronic music because beatboxing started off as in hip hop, you know, as one of the five elements of hip hop. It was very just simple. And um, that's why it's called beatboxing, actually. It's because the original beatbox was a, a box that people would carry around and would play beats in, in the Bronx, actually, and people would rap. But uh, eventually the beatbox ran out of batteries or broke. And then some guy was in the... You know, some guy was just like, oh, wait, I can do that. And and they were like, that's the human beatbox, which shout out to Razel, Dougie Fresh, Kenny Muhammad, all those guys, Bismarck, Key, Fat Boys. Um, so beatboxing started as hip hop, but now it's transcended like crazy. And if anything, it's more similar to electronic music, just with all the new sounds people are doing and the grooves and rhythms and just the stuff people are replicating. You're going to hear more... <laughs> That's crazy, dude. So when you're doing these EDC or, you know, I know you did Firefly or all of these festivals, are is this just you acapella on the mic, just you dropping the beat by yourself or is there music with you? Like, how is that working out? So I do do solo performances a lot for okay. sure. And it is just me, uh, just the mic. Obviously, when you're on a microphone on a big sound system that makes, it takes that sound, but makes it huge. And there's certain things like mic technique that help make the sound bigger and certain sounds like the which is called a lip roll that literally shakes the whole subs. It's like an 808, but it's just made with your voice. Um, but when I'm doing those shows, it's actually with mostly with my crew, um, which I definitely want to talk about, the Beatbox House. Yes. Um, which is a long story within itself. Uh, I can break that down. No, I'd love to talk about the Beatbox House because as I was doing my research for this, I saw that you were linked with a lot of beatboxers. And one thing I noticed about the Beatbox community is that it seems like a very positive community and you guys are uplifting each other. The Beatbox community is the coolest community ever dude uh, it seems like the opposite of hip-hop dude hip-hop i feel like everyone's like neck and neck but exactly. beatbox i'm like if everyone's it's like one person's winning everyone's winning sure um i mean the battles so there's beatbox battle yeah that's how i met all these guys it was through the american beatbox championships yeah which was like 10 years ago i was like 19 18 19 and um i didn't even know it existed this was obviously after high school beatboxing after chris webby then i found out online about this is kind of before social media too it was like facebook days um but Instagram was just coming out. Um, and then I remember hearing about the American Beatbox Championships, which was in New York City, yeah, close to Connecticut. And you were the champion of that in 2016, correct? No, so that was the world championships. The world, the oh, excuse battle. me, the yeah. world, that's crazy. That's your fast forward a little too much. Yeah. But, so this was like 2012. Okay. Um, and I took the train up, Metro North to Grand Central. Um, 
went to the American Beatbox Championships and I met just a hundred beatboxers outside, all beatboxing, jamming in little ciphers. And I was amazed because this is the first time I met other beatboxers. I grew up, you know, in Monroe, Connecticut, where I was the only beatboxer and I never heard anyone else that could do it. Anyone else, you know, they were pretty shitty at it. But going there and hearing everyone else do their stuff, I was amazed. I, that just made me fall in love even more. And I met all these amazing people that shared the same weird passion and talent. And, um, that's how I met the beatbox house. So basically I battled in the American beatbox championships. I ended up meeting all the other guys that were the best in America and we battled it out. We started winning. I won a competition. My buddy, I met Napalm, Gene, Chris, Amit, shout out to the homies. And we all started winning different competitions. I'd win this, the East coast champs. He won the West coast champs. And, but through that, we became great friends on stage. We're battling and it's head, head on head, you know, one V one. And it's almost like a rap battle, A, B, A, B. You do 90 seconds, 90 seconds, 90 seconds, 90 seconds. And then the winner is chosen based off a few things, technicality, musicality, originality, um, also stage presence. But basically through this competition is how I met my squad. I met my boys who all love the same thing as I do. And they all have weird yet different yet similar stories of how we found beatboxing. And honestly, that was probably the coolest time of my life just because I met people that loved what I do and were able to do what you could do. Yeah. And what's amazing is everyone has a different style because everyone has a different mouth. Everyone has a different voice and different inspirations. And beatboxing is just an extension of that. You're able to make music just like singing or rapping is, but you can just also put the beat behind it. So, so I was going to ask you about that too. What's the Kenny urban signature sound, you know, like what are things that you do that like are different from other beatboxers? There's a lot. Um, Everyone's known for different things. I'm definitely known for being like a powerful beatboxer and mm. having clean sounds, but I also am known for like certain like sound effects, like my uh, siren, the <laughs> game over, or my squeak, <laughs> or the hollow. The control you have is insane, dude. Like, control. you know, how long did it take to get that type of control? And, you know, is it, it's like repetition, like most things, right? Or how does that work? Definitely. The mouth is a muscle. So it's like muscle memory, basically. Um, I don't know. I've been doing it since I was like 12 years old. So Yeah. A lot of breathing techniques too, I'd imagine. Yes. Uh, circular breathing, uh, for sure. So I'm doing, a lot of sounds are out and in. So a lot of, if say I'm doing, most of those are out, but then I'll do a, where I'm, I'm breathing in. So you'll seamlessly, I'll be breathing out and in, or the K snare, for example, is a good, uh, it's a good example of that. Cause it's a, it's an inward K. So all these other sounds, it's obviously coming out, but every time I throw a in there, I'm breathing. So I can go. And I can just do that forever. Bro, it's tripping me up because I'm listening to you with the headphones, but you're about- nice in that Yeah, it sounds amazing in the headphones, but like watching your mouth move, it's just like, I'm trying to like, my brain's like <laughs> trying to register it, but that's awesome, dude. Um, I want to talk about you winning the championship, the world championship, dude. What was that feeling? How was the process of that? And what was that So feeling, that was amazing. That, so that's actually technically called the grand beatbox battle. It's okay. not technically the world championships, but it's the yearly biggest- international battle in the world. So it's basically the world championships uh, yes. just because the world championships doesn't happen like that. Um, but that wouldn't have happened without me meeting the beatbox house without. So those guys I mentioned, Chris, Amit, Gene, Napalm, we met through the American beatbox championships. We battled it out. We became the top guys in America. And then we're like, screw it. We got to form a group. And we used to always hang out at Chris's house in Brooklyn. I would always sleep on the couch. You know, I was 18, 19 years old. I just moved out of my parents' house. And um, we would always call it the beatbox house. Like, oh, we're meeting up at the beatbox house, the beatbox house. And then eventually we were like, dude, we just got to name our group the beatbox house because we're here. And through that, we would teach each other our techniques. We would practice with each other. We'd go to open mics and just do a bunch of stuff all over New York City. Performances, pop-ups, and busking. We did a lot of busking, uh, street performing in Union Square. And some days we would go and make a couple hundred bucks. And other days we would go and make 20 bucks and split it, you know. But through that, we just got so much better at our craft and at performing and all those things. Um, so fast forward a few more years and the Grand Beatbox Battle, which is the biggest battle, like I said, was in Basel, Switzerland um, in 2015, actually. 
I went for the first time and I ended up coming in fifth place in the world, which was insane. I was dude. young. I was super young. And I was like, damn. But my buddy Gene from the beatbox house won the whole thing. Amazing, dude. And so shout out to him. And this was at a time where beatboxing obviously was born, started in the Bronx, in New York, in America. But now, you know, 10 years later, it's huge in Europe and Asia because of YouTube. And they're honestly better. They were better, especially at that time. Europe and Asia had, they were just taking it and making it more technical, kind of like break dancing or anything. Like they, they just, their work ethic is crazy and they're just super talented and they made beatboxing super dope. Um, and America kind of fell off. Like in the competition scene, America wasn't winning anything overseas. But 2015, I came in fifth place. Gene won the whole thing, shocked the world with a new, very musical style where he's singing and beatboxing. Got to definitely check, check that out. Um, and he, he was the first American to ever win like a big international battle, at least in a long time. And then the next year, 2016, I went back, I was invited back cause I did so well. And then I ended up winning the whole thing. And that was amazing. I freestyle too, which was crazy. I was not really prepared. Um, and I'm also kind of known for being that guy that freestyles, especially in competitions. Many people are super prepared and they have all these routines, these 90 second routines of different beats and different ideas. But I'm very much, I have my ideas and my routines, but I like to come on stage and like. Do you read the room? Oh yeah. It's all about reading the room and also the energy. And when you're battling someone too, it's like, how can you counter someone too? Mm. Um, But yeah, I ended up winning the whole thing and I didn't expect to win, which was amazing. Um, And that changed a lot of things for me. And what's also cool is the next year, Napalm from the Beatbox House won. So three years in a row, America won, which was crazy for the Beatbox community just because America hadn't won anything in pretty much ever. And it's all the homies too. And it was all my crew. So that's so rewarding. That changed dude. everything for all of us, really. Yeah, it was awesome. And since then, we got invited to judge the Chinese beatbox championships, the Indonesian, the all over Europe, the Polish, German, you name it. We've been able to do all those things and also built a huge fan base on YouTube because of it. Um so that, that was awesome. Yeah, I want to talk to you about some of your travels, too. You just touched on it a little bit, but, like, you know, I saw you in Japan, dude, and the crowd was going crazy. Like, what is what is going to Japan to beatbox look like? Japan is amazing. Honestly, it might be my new favorite place. Tokyo was the coolest place probably I've ever been. It reminded me of New York City, but just cleaner. Mm. Like a clean New York, honestly. And the food... God, the food was so good, man. <laughs> I miss it, honestly. I'm still thinking about it. Yeah. You were there um, this year, though, right? I just got back. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. Like two weeks ago. Not even two weeks ago. So what was going on there? So actually, the Grand Beatbox Battle, the one I won, the competition I won, just was held in Japan for the first time. Um, when I won, it was in Basel, Switzerland. Then it moved to Warsaw, Poland. And yeah, this year was the first year in Tokyo, Japan. And it was probably the best year yet. Uh, beatboxing is super popular in Japan uh, now because of a couple guys who are so dope uh, that have made it almost mainstream out there, which is sick. So now it made sense for them to move the competition there. And it was amazing. It was super professional. Uh, I judged it actually last year. I didn't get to judge it this year, but I was hosting uh, one of the battles, which was cool. Something I've been doing more like an MC almost, but I incorporate my beatboxing. How does it feel from going to somebody that was competing to judging it, dude? That's got to be way better. Insane. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I haven't competed in a while, um, for a couple of reasons. Um, one being the fact that there's so many amazing beatboxers now, there's so many good guys. Like it wouldn't, like, like I said, when I won in 2016, I was almost freestyling. I wasn't super prepared, but I was myself for sure. And I locked in to that. But now if I was to do that, I couldn't win. I don't think I need, you need to be prepared just because the level is so high and the stuff people are the music people are making from their voices is just incredible. Um, I really recommend you checking out Graham Beatbox Battle and some of the videos. They should be coming out soon. Um, it's awesome. I think it's the future, truthfully. Just the music that people are creating with just their voice and a microphone, you wouldn't believe it. Bro, when I listen to you, dude, I'm like already mind blown, dude. I was going through every video and I was like, how? Um, One thing I want to talk to you about is one video I actually saw in particular that you were beatboxing with AJR and you went on tour with them, dude. You know, how did that experience come to be? That was amazing. That was last year. Um, probably also one of the coolest things I've ever done. Uh, it was from a TikTok, believe it or not. I had a viral TikTok where I was just beatboxing. Uh, and I got a random message from, I think it was Jack from AJR. Or it was Ryan from AJR. 
And they're like, hey, man, you want to, uh, we're AJR. Uh, we love your beatboxing. We saw this video. It was actually a video that Andy Grammer reposted. Oh, um, amazing, dude. If you know who that is, you got to keep your head up. Um, TikTok's awesome, dude. I got to be, I'm not on there as much as I should be. I need to, because that created that whole opportunity for me. Now I'm thinking, damn. <laughs> you got to be like, um, should I'm I be not, shooting TikToks right now? <laughs> I should be. I haven't in a while, actually. But basically, yeah, they saw the video. They emailed me and they were like, hey, we're looking for a beatboxer on this track. We love your stuff. What do you charge? And I actually wasn't too familiar with AJR at the time. I had to look them up and I was like, oh, I know the song. Um, and then I told them a rate and I just beatboxed and sent it to them. And then they made this amazing track. It's called Joe and it's on their last album, um, which was awesome because all I did was send over some samples basically and they turned it into a track. And after that, the album came out and I was like, oh, wow, this is a banger album. There's, these guys are dope. I didn't realize how amazing they were, truthfully, yeah. at the time. I, I knew they were a rising band, but th I found out that they were just so cool and so good, amazing musicians. And then I saw that they announced a tour. And this part is important, actually, because they announced a tour and they were going on tour. And they didn't hit me up or anything, of course. They just, I'm just a feature on one of their songs. Not even, I wasn't even a feature. I was just a feature in the production of the beat. Yeah. And I texted Ryan and I was like, hey, man, you know, uh, I would kill this live, right? And he's like, oh, you can do this live? And I was like, yes, that, it'll, that's what I do. It'll be even better live. And they didn't have that idea in their head, you know, that I could just do the beatboxing part live instead of what they sampled. And they're like, all right, let's try it out. So they flew me to Dallas and we did one show on their opening of their tour for 15,000 people. And I killed it and we killed it together. And then they were like, dude, you got to come on the rest of the tour with us. And I was like, please. You took the initiative, dude. A lot of people do not do that, dude. That's what and I wanted to yeah, say. The initiative was so important because I was debating it. I was like, should I hit him up and tell him this? Like, I'm not that close with them. And I think they're really awesome. But like, all I did was record something for them. And I was, I was debating it, truthfully. But, dude, the initiative is so important in life with everything, really. Yeah. Like, if you really just reach out and do it, I have a big saying. It's just do Oh, yeah, dude. All you got to do is do. Just do it. Don't second guess. Just do. I reached out. I said, hey, man, I would kill this live. Boom. That created a whole tour opportunity for me. I performed for 15,000 people a night for 40 shows. And, and sometimes it's that simple, you know? I know the famous quote, but you miss 100% of the shots you don't take, dude. And, you know, so I'm happy you took I, – because I didn't know that, dude. You know, I, I just assumed that they reached out to you. But, you know, for everyone listening right now, like – if you have, a, you know, a relationship or something that you think would be sick, don't be afraid to pitch it to somebody either, you know, because it could end up on tour, dude. Yeah, dude. Honestly, I, I believe that 100%. You have to. You have to just go for it in life with everything. So now you're on the tour, you know, what is each night kind of looking like for you? So that was an interesting thing because I'm only a part of one song and uh, honestly by the way AJR show is amazing probably the coolest show I've ever seen the amount of production they have it's it's a movie it's a, it's a whole story have you seen them live I haven't seen them live but I know what their sound is sonically and it's just this bigger than life feeling so I can only imagine how that translates but to the their visuals shows. match mm. the sound like honestly going from not knowing who they were to being honestly a huge fan of them like not just their music, they're such nice guys and they're so incredibly creative and their their show is unlike any show I've ever seen. I've been able to perform with so many amazing artists and still AJR stuck out so much because they're so dope. So shout out to them. Yeah. I kind of want to change gears a little bit because if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, dude, I saw that you taught a workshop at Harvard. Oh, wow. You really did do your research. <laughs> I did do my research, dude. I did do a beatboxing workshop at Harvard. That was a few years ago. How, was, did that, how did that happen? How did that come I to be? I don't even know how that happened. Truthfully, um, <laughs> shout out to the Beatbox House again. Since there's five of us in the crew, um, Chris specifically is always doing a lot of teaching stuff. And we've always done teaching. I teach beatbox lessons. It's been a while since I've done it. But um, teaching is a big part of what we do just because beatboxing is so universal. You know, you're seeing me do it and you're like, whoa. But at the same time, you're, I know in your head, you're like, I could probably do a little of that, which I could teach you a little on the pod if you want. Bro, I would be geeked. Let's do that. Yeah. But that just happened out of nowhere, like through the connections we've made. Everything's been through connections. I mean, you know how it is. You meet somebody and it connects you to the next thing and you meet the next guy and teaching worked the same way. We were doing some workshops at colleges and stuff where a college would just pay us a couple thousand bucks to come teach and then do a little performance and 
But then Harvard just reached out and we were like, oh, we got to do this. That's insane, dude. So now you're at Harvard, dude. Like, what does this look like? What do you like? You have a class of people there and you're just teaching them like the different sounds. Yeah, basically. It was like a come if you want type of class and sign up. But then we had like a 50 to 100 people sign up and we do our workshops pretty, pretty much the same every time. Uh, we start with the fundamentals of beatboxing, which... I'll start with you right now. Yeah, no, our, I'm watching. I'm listening. I'm learning. It. All right, let's we're do it, dude. It. So you start with the kick drum. Okay. So give me a word that starts with the letter B. Bob. Bob. All right, now I really want you to push that B in Bob, the Bob. Bob. <laughs> Almost. <laughs> Bob. Yeah, try, to, try to get a little uh, like pop on there, yeah. Mm. Bob. Bob. Create that pressure. Oh, there okay. you go. There you go. Yeah, I was going to say get He's rid like, of the ob, but you already yeah. got rid of the ob. Okay. That's nice. Oh, wow. And what's cool about beatboxing in your mouth is that you can just shape it in so many different ways that just changes the sound just a little bit. So between doing a or a Wow. Putting breath behind it, you can just change the frequency. Make it like a sub, sub almost. Exactly. Okay, so you have your kick drum. Your nice. Next, we have our hi-hat. Give me a word that starts with T. Uh, train. Train. Yeah. Tra train's kind of hard it's because they like are. Tch, tch, tch. But it's like a tch, tch, tch. Yeah. Oh. Well, that's it. Yeah. Right. You already did it. Yeah. Tch, you don't even need me. Tch. No, that's I really right need there. you to. All right. So, and then you put a little S on there. Tch. Oh. Your sounds like a real hi-hat, dude. Yeah, I'm, I'm finessing it. And if you really control that. That. You can, it sounds like a nice yeah, actual hi-hat, yeah. dude. Dude, that's the coolest thing about the voices and the mouth is like, as a producer, yeah, you dude. can just do anything. Like, and if you want to change it a little bit, there's nothing easier than just changing the shape of your mouth, you know? So like when I, cause I'll be in the studio, dude, and I'll beatbox like what I think the beat should be, but I'm not beatboxing like how you're beatboxing. I'm just like, like, you know what I mean? Like a little bit like that, but you know what I mean? It's like a, a baby level. You know what I mean? All right, we're not done. We're not done. We okay. One more sound. All right. Snare drum. Okay. It's a K. We'll, K. We'll, there's a lot of different snares. So it's like, it's like the B, T, B and K. K. Yeah. Boots and cats, whatever you want to yeah. call it. But uh, give me a K, a letter. Kangaroo. Boom. Everybody says kangaroo. It, like crazy. it's where, you know. Yeah, it's kangaroo. Yeah. Kangaroo. Kangaroo. Repeat it for me. Kangaroo. Kangaroo. Oh, no. Kangaroo. Kangaroo. Good. Now get rid of the angaroo. And you'll have nice. Try to make it a little sharper. And no K. Just you just had it before. There it is. Almost try not to choke on your spit. But it's like not even clicking your tongue or anything. It's like no. It's really it's the back of your tongue hitting the roof of your mouth. Dude, I have a mad short tongue, dude. I feel like I wouldn't be good for beatboxing. Oh, you can do it, man. <laughs> I, I don't got the pressure, but man, no, like, I, I I feel it though. Wait, we got one more sound. Oh. We're putting the three sounds together. You got the. Okay. All right. Here, put me in coach. Let's go. Hey. Come on. I think that was pretty good, dude. That's not bad, I man. mean, like, you not know, bad. you got to start somewhere, too. But, yeah. like, I mean, that's like something I'd be interested in, too. It's like, if if there's someone out there who's interested in beatboxing, like, where's a good place to start for them? Honestly, YouTube has everything now. YouTube uh, University, dude. Yeah, dude. You can look up beatbox tutorials and they'll, you'll find them. Um, it's not hard to find. Yeah. And just practice, experiment, you know? That's how I learned. It wasn't from videos at first. It was me just messing around and making noises. Because I've known you for a long time now at this point, and I knew this fact about you, but I was struggling to find it on the internet, and I'm hoping I'm right on this. You were in a Russian Snickers commercial. I was in a Russian Snickers commercial. Can we talk about that? That might have actually been the first cool thing I did. Bro. After Chris Webby. I was looking. I was looking everywhere for this. Dude, it's gone. I couldn't Did you find, find it. I didn't find it's on it. Reddit dude. somewhere. I saw the Reddit thing, and, and I was they like, took it down." Yeah, yeah. And I, and I saw someone comment, and they're like, "Beatboxer is Kenny Urban." So I'm like, "Okay, I'm not crazy for thinking this." But so, how does that look like? Is Snickers hitting you up? Why Russia? What's going on here? Yeah, that was weird. <laughs> um, that was 
shortly after the Chris Webby experience, I'm probably 18, 19 years old. I was going to Hoosie at the time, Housatonic, shout out to Bridgeport um, Community College. Um, and I remember being in college, I'm like studying all this bullshit that I didn't want to do. And I was like, I'm, I'm need to be a musician anyways, or an artist. Yeah. And, um, I randomly get like a Facebook message of looking for a blonde hair, blue eyed beatboxer. Um, here you are. And, yeah, boom. <laughs> <laughs> and all these people are tagging me in it too. Um, and this is after like the, the first American beatbox championships where I met everyone. So I'm already in the scene kind of people know who I am now. And I have all these messages and they're like, dude, this is perfect for you. And I didn't even know what it was for. And then I was like, all right, I'll show up. So I went to New York and I showed up to the casting and I dropped it. Boom. And they're like, oh, you're the guy. And I was like, okay, well, what is it? And they're like, it's a Snickers commercial in Russia. Blonde hair, blue eyes. I'm not sure. Maybe just so I looked Russian, I guess. Yeah. But the crazy thing is there's dope beatboxers in Russia. So I don't know why they didn't reach out to them. Yeah. Maybe they were less we're Snickers based. Maybe it has to do with that. Yeah. Oh, true. But either way, um, so they were like, yeah, we want you to beatbox in a Snickers commercial. The one that you've probably seen that you're not you when you're hungry. Yeah. Um, and it was sick, dude. That was my first time even getting on a plane to fly international. I was 18 and they flew me all the way to Russia by myself. And it was crazy. I started off in St. Petersburg, which was sick. It was white nights at the time, which is basically a time of the year where it doesn't get dark. So we were out at like midnight getting drinks and it was daytime, which was weird. Um, but then after that, when you started in uh, St. Petersburg, I got the whole lowdown of what I was going to be doing. And then we drove like three hours into the hills of Russia, like crazy, just look like a desert almost. It's hard to even remember because it was like 10 years ago. But, um, and it was for a, a Snickers commercial for a new Snickers with sunflower seeds in it. Oh, wow. Which wasn't that good actually. But, um, <laughs> well, the reason I don't think it's good because I had to do 30 takes of mm. the, <laughs> of the <laughs> like literally they peeled down the Snickers and it was like the perfect whatever bite. And I would have to, in the Snickers commercial, I'm, it was kind of funny. They like dressed me up like almost like a wannabe rapper like super thugged out like too much to the point where i'm like wearing a big puffy jacket and i look silly honestly but i'm beatboxing in the video and i'm sitting next to two like farmer guys and like a goat and a llama and like just some crazy stuff it sounds iconic it was weird man it was like <laughs> wow i haven't thought about that in so long so now thinking about it but um yeah, so basically I had to beatbox, and then I just remember doing, tw it was 26 takes of me biting into the Snickers. <sighs> you're not you when you're hungry. And then I turn into a, like a Russian farmer. That's amazing, um, dude. But I just remember having to do 26 takes where I'd have to bite into the Snickers, spit it out, and then give me a, no a new one, and it was cool. Do you remember the beatbox that you did when you were, were on it? I did a couple of different things. I remember just, it was almost kind of freestyling. And it was just basically like a sporadic 10 seconds of beatboxing where I'm all these farmers are sitting on a bench in Russia and I'm just sticking out like a sore thumb. And they're like, oh, oh, they say something in Russian. Like, who, who the hell is this guy? And then I bite into the Snickers and I turn into a Russian guy. What was the feeling when you finally saw the commercial? It was awesome. Uh, I was like, wow, this is cool. It was also cool because I... Uh, that was my first time making a lot of money beatboxing. I was going to ask you about that, so but some, a, sometimes yeah. it's an overstep. Oh, I don't give a shit. But like, you know, can you tell me like, where yeah, are you so I got like 10 grand for that and I was fucking 18 years old. So well, let's like, go, dude. And I was able to give my dad, like, I remember, oh, well, that's another thing. I was going to college at the time and I think it was like during my finals or my midterms and I wasn't too invested anyways, but I had to leave for like a week or two. And I told my parents like, look, I'm going to probably drop out. And obviously no parent wants their kid to drop out. I went school. through that too. So I totally get it. Yeah. But I'm honestly, I grew up not really caring about what other people think, which is important, especially as an artist. Oh, so it man. wasn't too hard for me. Actually. I have a lot of friends that are artists that care a little more. So it was more difficult for them. But for me, I was like already ready. I was like, this is it. And so I left, I made that money and came back. And I remember I gave my dad like five G's or something. I gave him a bunch of money and then he was like, okay. I was like, there's more, there's more coming. That's a beautiful thing, dude. Yeah. Like, cause it's just like, you know, and I think parents, and we could talk about this a little bit because, you know, when you choose the life of like an artist, an entrepreneur, I think it is scary for parents because your parents want to see you succeed, but you know, the path that we're on is like, there's a lot of, it's a roller coaster, right? So it's like, you don't know what the next big thing is until you're there, but 
the more that you're in the game, you kind of understand the plays that you need to make in order to like reach out to AJR and be like, hey, you know, can I get on this tour? So it's like, I think just like be like once you're in the game a little bit more and you've just done it, you kind of learn a little bit more of like how to hold yourself. And once you're in it, your parents are like, okay, like Snickers commercial. I think, I think Kenny's good, you know, for sure. So what was, what was their reaction to the Snickers commercial? Uh, They loved it. They thought it was cool. Um, Honestly, my mom is such a big supporter of me and always has been. She's always been so cool and told me to follow my dreams. It's more my dad. That's just kind of a old school, Polish, yeah, stubborn, like get a job and come home. <laughs> but it, it all comes from like a place of care, I'm sure. Yeah, for sure. But once I started putting money on his table and saying, you know, here, help him out with the bills, then he started to understand it a yeah. little bit more for sure. So. What was the strangest beatbox gig that you've just ever done? <sighs> That's hard to say. Has there, this is like, is there a couple? There's a lot. Yeah, I've can, done a lot of weird stuff. Can man. you name, can you just like name one that maybe stands out to you? There's one that I still do, actually. It's uh, it's a spot called The Box in okay. New York City. It's super cool. It's a very uh, hard-to-get-into nightclub in the Lower East Side. Um, and it's a burlesque club, so it's like a variety show, but you're not allowed to have your phone in there. Well, you can have your phone, but you can't film anything. And there's a host that comes out singing amazingly, and then girls that come out take their shirts off, and it's it's cool. Um, and then you're beatboxing and too. And so not yet. So they host it and then it, the night is full of just acts where like um, there'll be one burlesque act, which is like a hot chick slowly undressing. And then the next act will be a dude hanging kettlebells from his nipples, swinging them. Or maybe not even his nipples, maybe his, his, wow. his sack. Yeah. <laughs> That's um, crazy, dog. It's a crazy show. Yeah. It's basically a show meant for like, and it's super hard to get into. You have to get a table that's a few thousand dollars. It's, it sounds incredibly entertaining. I'll take you there sometime. I'm down to go, it's dude. It's really cool to watch. It's mostly very wealthy people that come to sit there and get shat on, for lack of a better word. But that, like just... I'm excited. Yeah, I would love to go, dude. It sounds fun. It is you know cool. What I mean? And I'm the one, the cool thing is I'm the one normal music, normal yeah. musical act. So I just come out and beatbox for like three, four minutes and just entertain everybody. And then the next act is something crazy. So, so keep on the fact of like, you know, strange gigs. Where's the craziest place that you've traveled to beatbox or maybe one of them? That's a good question. I've been so many places. Um, well, They're they, all crazy. So which one's like a like a fun memory that – do you have a fun memory from like a recent trip or something? Japan was amazing. I mean I think the beauty about what I do is the fact that I have been everywhere. And the beatbox community like we spoke about before, it's, it's really a family. It's called the beatbox family. And because I'm an American champion or a world beatbox champion, I'm friends with the French beatbox champion, the Austrian champion, the German, you name it. If there's a country, there's a beatboxer there. So anytime I do travel – for a gig or for a show, I'm always able to hit up that guy or that group of guys and I'll hang out with the French champion or I'll hang out with the whoever and they'll show me the dopest time. And I've had such amazing times in Austria, France, Iceland, really, you name it. It's just You won the Chinese world championship with Napalm, right? No, so that was when we were judged. I saw I know what video you're talking okay. about. Okay. I judged the Chinese beatbox championships. Yes. And when you're a judge, you always do a showcase at the end of the event or somewhere towards the end of the event where the judges come on stage and show why they're judges, basically. Um, so that was just sick. We killed it out there. And the crowds in Asia, they just love beatboxing so much. So they go nuts. It's like a, I can't even explain it. It's like a rock, EDM, crazy just experience. Dude, I saw a video of you where I'm pretty sure, I don't know where you were in Asia, but you were just beatboxing and it, the crowd was turnt. But then you quote unquote dropped the bass, dude, and the crowd lost their mind, dude. You know what I'm talking about? I think I do. I mean, it's happened. It's happened quite a few times. Yeah. <laughs> but dude, what like, so what is that feeling when, you know, you drop like a hard beat and the crowd goes absolutely nuts? It's great. Um, I mean, I think, you know, as a, performer yourself it's just there's nothing like it when you're performing and the crowd is going crazy um i just think taking it to the next level of being a beatboxer and physically creating that stuff with your voice you know creating something that people are resonating with and going crazy over um it's probably the greatest high you could ever have truthfully yeah is there an artist or anybody that you've worked with recently or in times that you didn't expect to work with 
AJR was super just off the cuff. I didn't expect that. Um, so I perform a lot in New York City at uh, a couple different clubs, one of them being PhD Rooftop. Uh, one of my boys is the head promoter for Tau Group, um, That's, which I saw on your last podcast. Bro, I was going to say, my homie Dan's the photographer who was like legitimately in the last episode. Yes, I saw that. So they definitely know each other, but my homie Matt Asante, he's a promoter, and he always has the best table at every club, basically, that's Tau Group related. And we met at a random event I was doing with La Twins, who are these group of twin dancers, which I also do a project with beatboxing and dancing, which is so sick too. Shout out to the missing element. Um, but basically I met him through a performance at a club and he's, we became friends. He's like, hey man, anytime you want to come and hit the mic, uh, hit me up. And this was a few years ago, but fast forward, I hit him up when I'm around and I'm free and he just gets me into whatever club I want. And I'm at the nicest table with everything I need. And um, I normally just hop up on stage or the couch and I'll just hit the mic and just entertain everybody for a quick two minutes. But through that, I've met so many cool people because he'll invite me when he has, he's had Cuba Gooding, he's had Ja Rule, who I've kicked it with a lot. Um, And recently I met Jay Balvin. um, Oh, wow. Which is awesome because he's obviously so dope and one of the biggest artists right now. And I was there with Napalm and Amit for my crew and we killed it for the whole club. We went nuts and the club was going crazy. And then Jay Balvin just loved it. And he came up to me. He's like, bro, you blew my mind. You <laughs> blew my mind. That's iconic, dude. That that probably felt really good. And like, you know, you already have the confidence because you've been in it so long. But it's always good hearing like getting your flowers. Yeah. Well, but then we exchanged each other's info. He followed me on Instagram. And now we're talking about making a song together. We just sent him some stuff. So bro, that's going to be huge. That would be Especially iconic. Especially in Latin America, just... That's going to be a big one with the beatbox house. So that's probably the next big and probably going to be a really big game changer for me as well. Just because working with that level of an artist, you know, it's going to be sick. But I know your your vocals. I know you talked about the AJR one, but your vocals have been featured on so many artists production. I know there's a Webby joint for sure. Yeah. Webby and I. So back then when Webby and I met, if you know, maybe a year or two after I did the whole interlude for his uh, chemically imbalanced album which was sick we yeah. did three different interludes which i hope to do again and that's honestly something i want to do more um now i've reached that part of my career where i want to bring beatboxing to the mainstream and i want to collaborate with other artists and make music that you can hear and that's what i'm doing with the beatbox house truthfully we're making tracks that you listen to and bob your head to or just love and it, you don't even realize that it's all made from our voices yeah no that really is awesome too cuz i like I mean, I want a Kenny Urban album, dude. It's coming, for sure. Com- a, I need some help, though, for sure, just on the production side, because I have so many ideas, so. I got you, dude. We'll, we'll make it happen. For you guys who don't know, Kenny and I are already plotting on getting in the studio and working on some magic, dude. Oh, yeah. I saw that you did a freestyle with Harry Mack. Oh, that was sick. Yeah, how did that come to be, dude? That was another reach-out thing, uh, just me Reaching out, basically. Bro, you're the GOAT for reaching out, dude. You gotta reach out, man. Dude, I mean, I want to hear about the story with Harry Mack, but, you know, a lot of the time I meet people and they're like, you know, how do I get these opportunities out? And they, they'll they just stop because they won't reach out and, like, you know, they'll wait. You can't wait for the opportunity to come to you. Sometimes you got to go knock on that door and go get it for yourself. For sure. So, And I've had a lot of great opportunities come to me. I'm yeah. But that's also through the hard work that I've put in. in the yeah, past. Absolutely, so dude. You definitely get what you give. But for that specifically, it was during COVID when Harry Mack was killing it with his, uh, I think it was live streams and stuff. Bro, his freestyles are nuts, dude. Yeah, he's the best for sure. Yeah. And I just slid into his DMs, dude. And I was like, yo, bro, you trying to work? And then he's like, yeah, let's do it. And I just hopped on like a Zoom or what was it? Yeah, it was like a Zoom at the time. Yeah, that's what I saw. Omega live streams and we just killed it together. Not the ideal setup because of the delay. The latency, yeah, I was going to ask on that. So I basically just had to <laughs> drop a steady beat and I couldn't really hear what he was doing in time because there was a little yeah. bit of a latency. But it um, looked dope. I watched it. It was really was sick, cool. dude. It was good. Um, yeah, shout out to Harry Mack. He's the homie. Do you have days where you ever like get down and just like, you know, maybe this isn't for me or maybe this like, or are you pretty confident because you've just been in it for so long? Honestly, I've, I've always been pretty good at believing in myself. I've Mm. always like just had good confidence and good at good ability of trusting my gut, my intuition, um, which 
usually never really leads you wrong, you know? And, um, no, I never thought about giving up at all. Um, sure. I have days where I'm down often where I don't feel like beatboxing or making music and I'll just play video games and smoke weed or whatever. But, um, which I still do even when I am beatboxing. So <laughs> yeah. it's like, um, but no, I've never thought about giving up. And especially after living this life and following my dreams and the, just as fulfilling it as it is, you know, there's just, there's no way anything else would ever come close. And I know that this is what I'm meant to do is just to inspire people and be inspired and just continue that cycle. You know, I can't even imagine how many smiles of like people's faces you brought on the second you got on the mic, dude, because you might not think about this often, but you have impacted so many people. Think about all the people that are at those shows, like giving a good time. Like, you know, how does that feel to know that you've like brought joy to a lot of people? I do think about that sometimes actually. And that's something I will think about. Say I am feeling down or like questioning, like what's next. Um, I think it's awesome. I think that's what keeps me going. Uh, truthfully is just, people being happy doing what I'm doing or honestly my Instagram messages being filled of like you're my idol you're my inspiration and all these things and I can't even get back to all of them but just the idea that I am helping people in a certain way by just being myself truthfully just really being myself unapologetically um did I say that right you said it right dude um it's awesome yeah it's truly it's one of the best feelings is to be able to just be myself and really go full into that and then see how it's inspiring other people to do the same thing. That's all I really want to do, truthfully. Yeah. And you were also, you were a part of a group Mosaic, right? Yeah. I wanted to talk about Mosaic. So that's, that's an opportunity that really was great for me. Um, that happened right before COVID. So probably like 2018. Um, I got a Facebook message that I'm lucky I even saw cause I barely checked my Facebook. It was in my filtered requests. And it was like, hey, we're a vocal group based out of Las Vegas. Um, we love your videos. We've been watching you for a while now. And uh, we need a new beatboxer. It was like basically like an acapella group. Um, and they were like, we'll fly you to Las Vegas to come beat us. And we do X amount of shows at X amount of money a year. And I was like, whoa, it was good. It was a good amount of shows and a good amount of money. And I was like, and I can still do my own thing and I can still be my own person. They're like, yeah, absolutely. So I said, all right, let's go. And I flew to Vegas. I met these dudes that were all a bit older than me, like 10 years older than me. And they're oh, more than 10 years, like 15 years older than me in their forties. They've been doing this for 10 plus years. Amazing vocalists, the best singers I've ever met and such cool dudes. Um, and funny thing about them, Mosaic is they won this show called MTV's top pop group. Oh, wow. Which was like 15 years ago now. So probably like, you know, we were kids, little kids, but, um, it was a show about, pop groups, but they were the only group that was all voice, no backing track. And they won the whole show. They won like a hundred grand and they killed it. And then right after that, Pentatonix was created. Um, uh, yeah. Which familiar. Is like, which is like the most, probably the only popular acapella group, truthfully, that's like really killing it. Um, but Mosaic was the reason Pentatonix was created. Uh, fast forward 10, 15 years, they hit me up. They need a new beatboxer. I met them. They're such cool dudes. We clicked automatically. And then boom, we started, uh, I started headlining on Royal Caribbean cruise ships with them, which Insane, is like one of the biggest, dude. that's a six. So that's a gig I still do. I'm going out next week. It's a super dope gig. Cause they'll fly me to, uh, Miami say, or, or the Caribbean, St. Martin or Jamaica or somewhere. And I'll meet the cruise ship halfway or, or at the beginning, I'll go on, we'll perform with the headliners for the whole ship. So we'll perform for two shows for the ships. I have like 6,000 people on them. So we'll do two shows for half and half. So big, very big shows, um, dope production, an hour long, and we kill it. And then we stay on for like two, three days in the guest cabins, have everything we need, unlimited food, nice gym, too much alcohol. And, um, <laughs> it's a good time. And then I'm like cruise ship famous for three days. I can't even walk around the ship because everyone's trying to stop me. And what's cool on the show, I teach the whole crowd how to beatbox too, which is Oh, sick. that's so, so sick. Kind of so like I, what you were teaching me earlier. Exactly. But I do it sort of on stage and I split the crowd into three and I have them all... Oh, that's crazy, dude. It's pretty sick. And um, I do a whole solo in the show as well. And it, honestly, it kills every time. Like that show is awesome. And it's such a cool experience working with singers because, you know, I told you about the beatbox house where there's five world champion beatboxers where obviously we're all beatboxing, but we're very different, but we're all doing the same thing. But working with Mosaic is I'm working with four amazing singers and I'm the only beatboxer. So yeah. I'm like the drummer. 
So I stick out more with them, if anything. So afterwards, I, I literally can't even walk around the ship without like people stopping me. And it's a good feeling, but it's also almost so much like I got to like lay low, stay low dude. Key and low key, yeah, hide. But that's a sick gig, dude, because it, honestly, it's great money and they fly me. I get to just go to the Caribbean for three, four days and enjoy myself and then come back home. Yeah, dude. What are some of the things that you do in America? Like some of your like favorite gigs out here? Hmm, good question. A lot of it is in New York. A lot of New York City-based gigs, whether it's uh, with the Beatbox House or it's solo stuff. We do do a lot of corporate events, which are cool, where we'll just pop up in like a corporate setting and just blow people's minds, and they won't expect one beatboxer, let alone five. Um, I think that the coolest part about what I do is the endless opportunity, just because beatboxing is, it's like drumming, but there's also obviously another layer of melody and effects you can do, but it just blends with everything. So I can beatbox with dancers, with a violinist, with amazing singers, with other beatboxers, with rappers, and that is what keeps it so exciting for me. Like with producers, you know, there's just, there's no yeah. limit. So, But the thing that I think you got though, is that you have shock factor because most people aren't going to assume that you can just make a beat with your mouth. So it's like, you know, add everything you were just saying. And then, you know, when somebody hears you, it's like, you know what I mean? It's and like, I'm good at the shock factor part. Like I know when people aren't going to expect them. When they're like, what the fuck? So that's a big part of it for sure. Yeah. Is there an event that you went to that just like you, maybe the crowd wasn't ready and like, you know, they were just like, you caught them off guard in the best way possible. Often. Let's go, dude. Who's expecting beatboxing, let alone like a white dude coming up, like <laughs> just dropping crazy noises from his mouth. Um, it happens all the time. It's a shock factor is a big part of it especially because most, the average person isn't familiar with beatboxing, especially at the level that I do Beatbox it. at, yeah. yeah. So, and that's also a part of my goal is to make beatboxing more, just a more of a household name, really. Yeah, dude. And the thing is, I think you are doing it, dude, because I know for me personally, dog, like, you're the illest beat. When I think of beatboxing, I think of Kenny Urban, dude. I don't think of anybody else, maybe because I'm not in it as much, but like. I'm up there. You're up there, dude. And you've, you know, you've paid your dues and like, it shows, dude, you, you've been able to create this absolute insane life for yourself, you know, just because you were working hard, you know, opportunities came to you, but you also weren't afraid to like knock down and get those opportunities. So what advice would you give to maybe even not even just beatboxers, just like creatives, entrepreneurs, anybody in general, that's just trying to get into their craft right now? It's a journey. You just got to believe in yourself and keep going. Um, something that definitely kept me going is my crew, the Beatbox House, and just finding people that are like-minded um, and that want similar, have similar goals and communicating that with them. That's super important is communicating how you really feel. Um, but really just chasing it and just connecting the dots, meet someone, collaborate with them. Honestly, collaboration has furthered my career more than anything. You know, when it started with Chris Webby and then moved to the Beatbox House and then Mosaic and then AJR is just working with other artists and being able to just combine what I do with what they do and make something even doper is something super important, I think, kind of like what we're doing right now. Yeah. And the thing, too, is like you nailed it on the head where it's like, you know, your circle is so important because, you know, if you have a bum in your circle, you're more likely to become a bum. But you're surrounded by the best of the best, dude. And you guys probably just feed off each other until you guys push each other to be better. True. I mean, we're bums too. Like sometimes we love to bum it and do nothing. And yeah. That's important too. Yeah. No, I think balance, like the work balance is important, but like at the end of the day, you guys are also talented and you know, you guys like, you guys are like sharpening like each other's skill set. Like you, you know what I mean? Like you're, you're bouncing off each other. Facts for sure. That is an incredibly important part. And you also said something about communication, dude. Now. There sometimes communication can be hard for some people too. Uh, is there any experiences that you had that you were just like, it was a tough conversation to have, but like needed to be had and you know, everything ended up better because of it all the time. Uh, it's still happening truthfully with every project that I'm working on. Yeah. Every relationship that I've been through. Um, yeah, communication is the number one thing I would say actually. And it's hard, especially when you care about something or someone 
you're usually worried about what they might think. So you stop yourself from being completely honest. And that's what I think can elongate things and make things worse or just, I don't know. It's something I still deal with, with the beatbox house, my best friends who is my crew and my band. Like we still have, we're still to this day have moments where like, all right, we got to talk about this and we got to sit down. And sometimes we don't and we wait until it builds up and then we argue and you just got to let it out for sure. And once you do, once you can be on the same page with, your people, like that's how you can really level up and the same page with yourself. Yeah. And your relationship gets stronger when you're honest with people. I know personally, I've had those tough conversations too, and they're not easy. Like, you know, especially with like creative differences too. And cause art is subjective, right? There's no real right answer, you know, but like you might feel very strongly about your way. So it's like, and I think you got to like pick and choose your battles. You know, some things are like worth fighting for and then other things you just got to let it like, you know, all right, you could have this one. Yeah, compromise is important. That's something I've learned in being in a group or a band is like just especially five different minds. Yeah. It's it's tough, but you can find a way to make it work always as long as you're real with each other. Yeah. It's just the hard part is having everyone be real with each other. So. Yeah, but it seems like, like I said, dude, I feel like the, the beatbox community and the beatbox house seems like a very healthy relationship from the outside, dude. Like, it seems like you guys all really care about each other and you all want to see each other win. Yeah, for sure. It's a good vibe. And we're always pushing each other and we do want the same goal. We all want this to be as big as we know it can be. And we're on our way, for sure. Yeah. So what do you think changes? Like, what's the thing that changes beatboxing to really get into the mainstream? Probably what I'm doing now with the Beatbox House. If you check out our Instagram and our reels and all those videos we're diving more into the festival scene for sure where we're creating whole tracks but just using our voices and when you hear them on a microphone or live you will have no idea that it's not music playing it's our voices and i think that's the way to do it like when we just we actually just got back from lost lands festival which is a big dubstep festival in ohio excisions festival and we killed it we did a couple remixes of different tracks. We have a whole hour long set. That's just our voices and people are dancing and going crazy the whole time, but also looking at us like, wait, that's their mouths, but also forgetting that it's our voices. And that's really it is being able to put on a show that people can dance to and relate to, but then it's also like, whoa, that's their voices. So we're definitely taking it to the next level, doing something that's never been done before. And it's cool. It obviously has its risks and it's like different because especially when you're doing something that people aren't used to, like beatboxing, for example, I'm a, you know, a champion beatboxer, but nobody's, not many people are looking for that until they see it. So mm. once you put it in front of them, they're like, wow, I want more of that. Yeah. And they become a fan of it. Exactly. Is and it that's our goal. Is it hard to do like an hour long set beatboxing? I'd imagine that'd be very like hard, but maybe I know you're so good at it, but like it is taxing. I'm definitely tired by the end. But yeah. Not just because of the breath, but also just the amount of energy we put into it and like amount of- It's our, a show. It's a show. Yeah. It is hard, but it's great. It's worth it. Yeah. And a video that I saw recently too, like I saw a really insane cover that you did of Kid Leroy's Stay, dude. Oh, and yeah. like, yeah, no, to see the viral TikToks and stuff like that is just like, I think things like that also help push it in the mainstream. But I wonder if it's like- you know, maybe there's, it's just got to be like an original song. And I, there are, like, especially if the J Balvin one happens, but like, I think just more original songs with beatboxing is really what does it. And then those songs just need to hit. That's what we're working on now is truthfully, yeah, you're right, is we've killed it with the covers. And that obviously when you're doing remixes of certain songs and people are like, oh, I know this and, but they've never seen it with beatboxing or no made by the mouth Yeah, is a big thing. And we can get, you know, a million views on a video. But the next big step is to create that original hit with our, you know, by ourselves and people not even caring that it's beatboxing. They just like the song. And then they're like, oh, wait, that's all made from their voices and they can perform it live. And it's even an even crazier experience. It's really genius, dude, because if you can get that song to hit and people not realize it's beatboxing and then you pull like then you're like, oh, surprise, this is just our voice. Everyone's going to be mind blown. And I think you guys will end up getting a stronger fan base because like, it's almost like you have, they already love the music. They love the song, but then they see what goes into making it and they're just absolutely mind blown, dude. Yeah. And then you get to see the live show and it's nothing like you've ever seen before. That is, it's, that's happening. That makes you stand out. So like, bro, no one is going to, 
you're not even going to have any competition because no one's doing it, dude. No one has the ability to do it. That's that's facts for sure. Our biggest our biggest competition is ourselves. And I think that goes for anybody in this world, truthfully. Um, we are our own worst enemy slash best friend. So if you can really push through the doubts and believe in yourself and manifest, which I'm also a big believer in, like you can really make anything happen. And we will make that happen. So you'll see. So aside from that, dude, what's next for Kenny? That's probably next for Kenny, honestly. Making Let's some go. original music that just hits and probably with the beatbox house, but also on my own, maybe you know, also with Mike Squires. Too, Let's so. go, dude. The song, it has to be a banger, dude. And I know Let's it will be a banger. Where did you go that, you know, maybe you were surprised that there was a huge fan base that maybe you weren't expecting it and then you got there and you're like, oh my God, there are so many people here to see us beatbox. That's a good question. Um, probably all over Europe, honestly, like Europe in Asia, truthfully, they just appreciate art almost on another level than America does. I know that feeling because I, you know, I've toured in Europe. So I remember the first time that when I went to Europe and I, I toured with a lot of hip hop acts, dude, they go hard, bro. They go ham. It's like, I feel like there's also a level of like, they don't care. Like where I feel like certain places in the U.S., like, you know, they'll feel like other people are like looking at them, judging them. But like, from my experience, most people in Europe are there to have a great time. For sure. That's it. Basically, yeah. they're just they're less judgy. They're less they have less opinions and they just have a good time. Yeah. I saw you do like a it was like a freestyle video in Germany too. Like you were shirtless in this video oh, too. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, listen to the tit. Right? Yeah, dude. How did that That's something I do a little incredible. You know what? I actually want to talk about that too, Kenny, is that you're in really good shape, dude. Like, you know, and I think that's like something that we should talk about because it's part of your image and, uh, you know, the fact that you take care of yourself, but you also were in a group too, or you did like, uh, Oh, we're going to talk about that. Can we talk about it? Yeah, we can. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. It's a funny story. So Hunkapella you're talking about. Yeah. Hunkapella, dude. Can you tell me a little yeah. bit about Hunkapella? Yeah. Well, so another thing in the beatbox world, I'm definitely known as, they used to call me American beef overseas mm. specifically just cause I, had, I got a little beef, you know? But I'm also known as kind of the, you know, the muscular guy who's also a dope beatboxer. Yeah. Um, and I do take fitness and just health. Uh, very, very seriously. seriously. Also because I love to party too, though. So like I just, I need to have that balance. You know, I like to drink and have fun, but I also, our bodies are so important, especially as a beatboxer. My body is my instrument. So taking care of that is super important. Um, but basically, Hunkapella was another kind of thing where there was like a post online looking for a muscular beatboxer and I got tagged like <laughs> 80 times on Facebook. This is like still like almost eight years ago. Probably I was 20 something, 20, 20, maybe 21. And, um, it was based out of LA and it was a group called Hunkapella and they called me up and they were like, Hey man, we're looking for a beatboxer that looks good with his shirt off. And where I was like, all right, um, I'm your guy. I'm your guy. I was like, how much money? And then they told me how much money. I was like, okay. I'm definitely your guy. I'm definitely your guy. <laughs> and I was like, is it just my, sh like, am I, am I going balls, balls deep? But it was no, yeah, no balls, just, just my shirt off. So I was like, all right, I can handle that. You know? Yeah. Would, otherwise that would be a change in the direction of my career, you know? Yeah. But they flew me to LA, met the dudes, sick. Uh, it was sick. It was the uh, same creator of pentatonics actually, but they wanted to do a, oh, wow. it was almost like a comedy, but sexy show where we would do just six good looking dudes that would start in button downs and then slowly take their shirt off. Yeah. But you're beatboxing during this too. But I'm beatboxing. It was like an acapella group similar to, to mosaic, honestly. Okay. Awesome. Um, not as good, truthfully, <laughs> the vocals, but good looking dudes. Like, yeah. These dudes were shredded. And that was my first time going to LA actually too. And it was cool. I was there for like two months. They paid for everything and I did all these rehearsals and it didn't end up coming to fruition. We actually went on America's Got Talent. They hooked that up. That's amazing, dude. And yeah, it wasn't that amazing though. We uh Oh no. Well, we we just did the song Fly Me to the Moon. It's like fly mm. me to the Frank Sinatra and, one? Yeah. And for me, beatboxing in that song is <laughs> So I'm not doing anything cool at all mm. or impressive. And then we start taking our shirts off on America's Got Talent. And the crowd is going crazy, actually. The people loved it. Yeah. But then, boom, Simon Cowell automatically is just like, I don't get it. Like, <laughs> he was pissed. Dude, that's crazy. It never went on TV, probably for the probably for the best. But it was a cool experience. And then kind of fizzled out, um, which is probably a good thing just because I didn't see my career going that way. But I made some money and it was fun. 
Yeah, dude. What's that feeling of having Simon Cowell hit the X on you? It's probably pretty worthy at that time. Like, he, yeah, I would have probably hit the X too if I was him. No, um, that's fair. It was good. It was cool. So, at what point do you see your career from that point, like really starting to like level up? So, ironically, when I did that was when I won the Grand Beatbox Battle. Actually, it was like right after that. So, it was just more of an eye-opening experience, just working with different people. And that's what I think has made me, me obviously, and just better is just working with so many different groups of talented people, whether it be singers, dancers, or whatever it be, and just took me to the next level and just connecting. And And something I like about you, Kenny, is that it seems like you're willing to try things out and like always give things a chance because I think some people will stop themselves and be like, oh, no, that's that's a silly, I don't want to do that. But it's like, you know, I think... Sometimes if you're just willing to try something, it'll actually, you know, take you to the next level because one, you'll realize either A, this is great for me or B, this is not good for me. Or uh, you'll find out that like you'll find something, you'll make a connection from that that leads to the next thing, you know, going through the next door. Definitely. I do believe that you need to be uncomfortable to grow. Um, and it's hard for us to be uncomfortable. That's why we stay in relationships that suck or that's why we stay in just anything that's like we're comfortable, we're used to it, and then we don't end up growing. So that's something I definitely try to do is just push myself to do stuff I don't like to do once in a while. Even if it's as simple as like making the shower freezing cold before I get out. That's something I do all the time. Kind of similar to an ice bath. But I love hot showers. Who doesn't? But at the end of every shower, even when I'm not feeling it, I'll turn that puppy as cold as possible and just breathe for like 30 seconds. And that, dude, you should try it. It makes you feel I'm amazing. in, dude. Dude, it wakes you up does everything. Yeah, no, I'm definitely going to get, because I'm like all trying, I'm all about trying things new because I don't believe anything cool happens in the comfort zone, dude. And I think if you're trying, if you're someone who's actually out there trying to change your life, you got to, you got to take the leap. You got to get out of the comfort zone. You got to make the plays to make your life dope. And sometimes that's an uncomfortable feeling. Sometimes you just need to, you know, try something new. Sometimes you got to look stupid, but you know, you just got to push through and you know, like, okay, we did that. We learned from it On to the next. Agreed. <laughs> yeah, dude. Well, Kenny, I really appreciate you coming on the pod, dude. I think it's going to be a great episode. You want to do a little beatbox to send us off, dude? Ladies and gentlemen, you just watched Mike Squires and friends with Kenny Urban. <laughs> game over let's go kenny and if people want to work with you or find you what's the best way they can do that kenny urban at kenny urban instagram all my just shoot medias. you a dm dude shoot me a dm i'll try to find it let's Maybe email me too but. all right kenny that's that dude that's that, dude. Thank you for coming on. Thanks so much, man. Looking forward to doing some cool stuff in the future. And stay tuned for the Mike Squires and Kenny Urban collab. You I'm that excited, dude. So I want to give my thought of the day for this episode with Kenny. My thought is don't be afraid to reach out. You see that Kenny got multiple opportunities from him being the one that initiated it. Don't ever be afraid to ask. The worst thing somebody can say is no. So just keep putting yourself out there as much as you can, and you never know what opportunity is going to come because of it. And most importantly, guys, you need to believe before the world does.